listening to Nightlight. Hi, and welcome to one of those special editions of Nightlight, where I'm joined on the program by a guest. Actually, we have two guests with us on Nightlight today. Paul Brethen, founder of Net for Hope Foundation, is also a spiritual mentor and head of the Behind the Veil Fellowship. Paul is going to be sharing with us about his spiritual journey towards greater intimacy with Christ. And we're also joined by David Griffith, a former pastor with the Canadian Anglican Church and now a missionary and Bible teacher in East Africa. But before we start on this very deep and very mystical topic, here's a song to set the tone of today's program from Stephen Buckle.
First song of today's program that Stephen Buckle, our love is for real. Nightlight's interview of the week. Well, today I'm joined on the show by Paul Brethen and David Griffith, and we're going to be talking about the journey towards greater intimacy with Jesus, our sacred romance. Paul, first of all, why don't you introduce yourself? Well, I'm Paul, and I've been uh, uh, walking with the Lord for probably over 40 years, uh, all of my adult life. And I think if I had to think about my life uh, for the past 40 years, it's been uh, a journey, a quest, a quest to my heart. Mm-hmm. You know, the Lord got a hold of me when I was young, and it's one of those grips of love, uh, one where you realize that He has the answers, not the world. And so at age 18 is really when I had a full conversion. When I was younger, I was like, knew the Lord because it was a good thing to do. But now, uh, through the years, it's been a slow journey of deeply knowing Him and understanding Him from the heart. Less of the mind, but more of the heart. And I think in this past 15 years, that has been my greatest journey, inward journey, of knowing Him, not about Him, like we would of doctrine or reading stories about him or the lives of others, but personally coming to know him in a deeper way. Beautiful. Well, let's talk more about this journey. It's a journey every Christian is on. It says the path of the justice is a shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. So, Paul, tell us about your journey. Uh, yeah, <laughs> a long story, but I think the highlights of the journey, and the, the journey is kind of like, we're talking a little bit about the story. What is the story about our life? Like, why are we here? Is it about our uh, what we're supposed to do, what we're supposed to accomplish? Or is it something even greater than that? And I think that the story is really about our hearts, that we were made to be in fellowship or union with the Father, or the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's in his mind is to have, I love the allegory of the, of the bride and the church. And so that tells me that there's something more than just about service and servanthood or even sonship or even priesthood, but that there's a deeper, deeper meaning and it's about our love, that we have something that was placed in us by God and it's the ability to be in love with him and him with us. So I would say my purpose or my quest is to find that love and to live in that love with Christ who is within me. And so that has really kind of been my journey and learning over the years to hear my heart because I think there was a time when my heart had become numb and lost. We talk about losing heart. Um, John Eldridge, in his book, The Sacred Romance, talks about the arrows of life. The things come our way that discourage us, and we lose heart. And um, I would say that through the years of being involved with the church and leadership and in teaching and the different movements, you know, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fivefold ministry and church life and fellowship, all those things that I have sought after and was involved with over the years came to a point, I think, of resolution, which was in 94 for me, where I did all the right things that we're supposed to do as Christians to find maturity and fullness. And I realized that my last class I taught (laughs) was an eye-opener because it just seemed so dead and so dry and that my life was spiritually dead. It did not fulfill what I thought would fulfill in my heart, the sense of knowing the Lord deeper way. 
And I think that was the turning point for me, where I came before the Lord and I realized, Lord, I'm dying spiritually, though outwardly it all looked right. Inwardly, it was all wrong. And I, 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 I said, Lord, whatever it takes, I'm willing to go on. I must go on. I don't care whatever the cost is. That became a pivotal point. It was like the door opened. And God was waiting for that moment of prayer, a prayer from the heart, an opening to where God was calling me out. He says, are you willing to leave all that you understand about me, about church life, about doctrine, about, you know, all my ideas? He was calling. It was like a lover coming to me. Now, I had no idea what this was to become. And I said, you know, the Lord didn't come with me like a dove, you know, this nice, innocent, sweet, you know, sweet light, external experience, you know. Comfy, cozy. Uh, nothing happened, <laughs> yeah. you know, at the moment yet. Well, that's not real. No, he, he came like a, a storm, a hurricane that shook everything in my life. Swept you off. S- yeah, knocked me over. Took away everything you Took, held dear. Yes, everything that... Uh, uh, of my life that had meaning and purpose that defined me who I was as a leader, as a career, as a husband, as a father, uh, as a upright citizen in my community. Uh, all those things were shaken, and it, I lost all those things because my heart was hiding behind it. It was looking to those things to bring me purpose and meaning and significance, and that can only be found in the relationship with the Father. See? Instead of looking to your ministry to give you a sense of worth, purpose. If that doesn't work, well, then you begin to control and become bitter and resentful and tell other people what they should and shouldn't do. You know, It's a form of self-righteousness, you might say. And I also think, too, evolution of the heart is like the maturing of a child. That uh, while God is present throughout our lives, when we first come to Christ, it's like a child relating to his father or even mother. The child who takes the breast, uh, who gets all the nurture, the comfort, they feel safe, they feel secure. But that child has to mature through their childhood, understand the responsibilities, and say an eight-year-old knows that they've got chores to do, they've got things to do, and they know their father loves them, and they know that they're in a good place, but at the same time, it has to mature so that they are ready themselves to let their love, their heart, evolve to the place where God becomes a lover. And that's what's been scaring me lately. Seriously. It's like, wait, 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 wait. I'm very comfortable with God, daddy. God is daddy. But I'm being prepared as a bride. That, That's something that's disturbing me greatly these days. I think it's a great metaphor, the idea of a child growing up. It's kind of like, uh, am I right, growing up knowing the girl next door or the boy next door, if you're a girl, and you grew up being great friends and you know a lot about each other, but at a certain point you fall in love and your relationship takes on a whole different meaning. Is is this what happened to you with the Lord? Yeah, I, it's not that I never loved the Lord, but, but the, the ability to love yeah. in certain capacities. And if you look really at the church, you know, and if you were maybe the past, well, let's just say since the church was born, the day of Pentecost, you know, and Jesus, you know, gave his spirit. And now it became something that was external and internal. Since it's almost like that was the birth. You have an infant at that time. And this infant through the past 2,000 years has been growing and maturing. Mm -hmm. And so... God has to come to this child in different ways, in different forms. Not to say that what the church has gone through is wrong or bad. It was necessary at the time for her maturity. Hmm. So, so uh, let me just say, so this woman has left childhood. Let's say she's now in her 18, 19 years old. Physically, she has developed. Mm-hmm. And something inside her is awakened, Mm. the ability to love. So now Christ is coming to her as a lover, not as a parent, Mm -hmm. not as a friend, but Mm -hmm. as a lover. She's now able to respond Mm -hmm. out of deep, passionate love. If you think just 
developmentally of a child that grows up. So this is where I believe that Christ is coming to her in this way, and we're responding in this way. Yeah. Well, Paul, maybe we can just explain the allegory here of Jesus being the husband, and his bride, the church, being the woman or his wife. Because I'm sure a lot of guys listening are probably wondering, well, how can I be married to Jesus? How can I be the bride of Christ? But spiritually, when you think about it, we're all female in comparison to the manhood of Christ, and regardless of our gender. We all need Jesus in the same way that a wife needs her husband. We all need his love. We need his protection. We need his provision. And spiritually, we bear him children when we witness and bring other souls into the kingdom. And then, like a mother, we're responsible to nurture and take care of these newborn spiritual babies, feeding them the milk of the word. And help that spiritual child grow up into being a mature adult Christian. And you know this husband-bride allegory. You'll find it all throughout the Bible, in both the Old and New Testaments. Well, let's just take a break for a song, and then we'll be back with more. Jesus, come to me. Jesus, come to me. Never have I seen such beauty as I see in you. I close my eyes and I'm in heaven loving you. I sail away in time without end, loving you. This dream come true. I love you. I don't have the words to say how much I do. Till my life is over, with all my heart forever, I will always love you. Time will only deepen the way I feel for you. Stormy times, through the haze, I can see you. Through the falling rain, I look to you. I run to you. I close my eyes, and I'm in heaven, loving. Sail away in time without end, loving you. Oh, I am loving you, loving every moment of this dream come true. I love you. I don't have the words to say how much I do. Till my life is over. Gilligan loving you. 
And U has a capital Y because we're talking about our sacred romance with Jesus. And with us on Nightlight is Paul Brethner, David Griffith. And Paul is sharing with us about his journey into greater intimacy with Christ. Inspiring you to draw closer to God. You're listening to Nightlight. You know, I would like to talk about the journey, Mm -hmm. because how is love nurtured and developed? We can talk about these ideas, and that's the the deeper journey that I've been on for at least 15 years, is the calling out, the coming away from all that I have known as a Christian, because I thought I knew him, but I really didn't know him. I mean, Jesus' prayer to his disciples before he dies, I mean, the most important words he shares with his disciples. He says, I pray that you may know, as I know the Father, as I am in him and he is in me, that you may be in us. This was why Jesus came. Salvation isn't about avoiding hell. Salvation is, I'm bringing you back to the Father. Intimately. Yeah, it's the union that was lost. Sin is the separation of this union. That's what the, so Jesus is, is the one who leads us back. No other has been granted such a, a task. Only Jesus can knows how to lead us back to the Father, the Holy Trinity. Say. So something had to happen to my heart. Say. My heart had to be awakened to the deeper longings that I had suppressed, that had become cold, had become, was lost. I lost my heart. I had no idea how hard it had become. So he kind of had to shake me out of myself, begin to feel this longing, and there was great pain in the longing, great suffering. I had no idea how how deep it was. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure. Yeah, and and, and so with it was a mixture of of a, a romance I was caught up into, but also great suffering of my of the pain of really where it was. To uh, over a period of years, it wasn't a, a, a week or a month. It was this calling out and letting go and exposing of my other lovers because we give our hearts to other lovers that I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Spiritual whoredoms. Yes, they, my mm-hmm. spiritual idolatries. People you were intimate with, but you weren't going to marry or produce children from. Well, they are the lovers of the world that we take them to, that are disguised in both uh, vices and virtues. That's right. We can easily describe, oh, the lovers of the world of vices like our obsessions with pleasures and, you know, all of these things that we easily point out, but we fail to see the ones that are virtuous, our ministries, our callings, our gifts, our strengths. Our intellect, our our knowledge, say, we can use them as lovers. What do I mean by that? Is you give your heart to them with a hook. The hook is they give us something, and that is pleasure. pleasure. Yeah, the pleasure is the identity, the worth, um, and then they become. Uh, we are in, imp- imprisoned by them. We are captivated by them. And we won't let go of them because they feed us, though as empty as they are, it's all that we've ever known. And we have a hard time relinquishing them, giving them up. And that's part of the journey. God calls us into the wilderness. Well, what's the wilderness? It's a barren place. You no longer have the shade of your other lover to give you shade. You no longer have the food that you can eat from her. See? It's silent, it's quiet, there's nothing but extreme conditions of weather, of the sun. No longer can you run to them, but it's you and the Father. The Lord, when I started this journey, gave me Psalms 23. I memorized it, and it became really the story of this journey, Mm -hmm. that the Lord had to become my shepherd, 
which means that I need to be led into this. You cannot will yourself through this journey. It's not of your own strength. It's the it's paradoxical where you have to empty yourself, become passive and led of the Lord. The, you, the Lord is first will come to you with ecstasies or kisses of his love. It's like the shepherd will lead you to green pastures. See, the still waters. These are places that we enjoy the presence and of the then shepherd. and then the next stage is the shadow of death or or the paths of righteousness to be made right, to be pure and whole. It's the sanctification of the heart. It's the transformation of the heart. You have to be made into a place of, of growth, of maturity, to be able to have union with the Father. And so the desert is what matures and tests the love. That's right. I don't regret the rain or any tear I've cried. I don't lament the pain that I felt deep inside. Because every heartbreak brought me closer to you And I belong with you, you are my lover My heart beats for you, this is the truth When I need your love to keep me warm at night on Nightlight, Paul Brethen and David Griffith. Paul, what is the goal of the journey? When does it end or does it ever end? Well, 
instead of thinking as a beginning and an end, you can't think that way. It's more of, it's an eternal walk of always growing deeper and deeper in the, but there are places where there are movements where like a child grows. There's certain, we talk uh, developmental stages between adolescence, you know, where there's the struggle and the turmoil, the fighting between the parent and the adolescent of individuating, becoming a, an individual who you no longer, you know, listens to the parents but finds themselves, you know. Don't get too counselor. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in many ways, there's like, a, there's a coming into. And so, yes, union is, you know, I believe is really the born again experience. Now, I, can I say yeah. that, yes, where does the journey end? I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that's the end of the journey. There is no end. Dwelling forever. But it begins here. The valley of the shadow of death is here. The table before my enemies is here. All of that. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the bottom line. But that is a beginning. It's not, you yeah. gotta remember. Yeah. It's, it's, the it's, it's the end of one experience and it's the opening of another. And I could share, as I'm saying, there are significant points in my life of that journey, you know, that I, I, I went through over really a period of 15 years and I'm still on a journey. It's not like it's an end. It's just a different place, a different way of, of being with the Lord than I used to be. You know, looking back over my own life, my own journey, now I'm here, I'm, 58 years old and I feel as if I'm just starting out on the journey and isn't that how we'll feel for all of eternity yes because we'll always have eternity ahead of us so in that sense we'll always be at the beginning of our journey okay then can I ask you Simon you have now you you've got a wonderful family you fathered children uh this could be okay now I, I can relax can you still feel like that young lover? Can you still get the blush of the honeymoon in your relationship with Christ? Absolutely, because as our physical bodies grow old, our eternal spirits never grow old. We never need to age in spirit if we keep ourselves young by always being open to how the Holy Spirit wants to work in our lives, ready to learn and do new things. I mean, age really is a state of mind. Yeah. And the beauty of the Lord is it's it's always better. It's not like a rerun or watching a movie, you know, where they have this second uh, episode or version and you kind of get disappointed. Well, it wasn't as good as the first one, right. you know. Literally, it gets better and better and more wonderful and amazing and glorious. And it is from glory to glory yeah. to glory for eternity. And all that the Lord is looking for is a heart that says yes. Mm -hmm. He's speaking. Whoever responds, you don't have to have credentials. You don't have to have so many years' experience with the Lord. I mean, you could be the first day, come to know the Lord, and enter right into this. See, this is, this is the day. See, this is the, this is the time where He's calling us as a lover. You know, uh, and I think I mentioned this with you before, is like, if we serve the Lord as a servant, say, a servant is there because they get paid. They get something out of mm -hmm, it. Mm -hmm. As soon as they, they're no longer getting paid, they will walk away. And then there's the imagery of the son and the daughter. You know, well, what I realize is that the son and the daughter will serve the father as long as the inheritance is given. <laughs> hmm. But if there's no inheritance, even the son or the daughter will walk away from the Lord. And then there's the priesthood, which is a higher calling. you know. But even as priest, as long as we can do priestly duties, in other words, we find our significance in the ministry, in the priesthood of God, which talks about intimacy. But if that is taken away, even priests will walk away. But a lover... A lover is unstoppable. It doesn't matter what happens because the lover is there out of love, not out of what can you do for me, what can you give for me. A lover, like the song song, her love is like a fire, a fire that cannot be quenched. Many waters cannot quench this love. 
It is a, a love of abandonment. It's been tested. It's been tried. It cannot be persuaded by the other lovers. This is unstoppable. This is the imagery of the bride and the bridegroom, where she's coming up out of the desert, leaning upon the lover. Who is this woman that's never been seen on earth before? Her beauty has never been seen. Her love is, is unstoppable. Do you see what will be manifested on earth? There is a glory of her that has not been seen in all of human history, not of all of church history or even before that. There is still an incredible glory to be seen, and it comes out of this love. So the journey is to be caught up into this romance, to be transformed by his love, See? not by doctrine, not by a 12-week course and how to do mm. such and such. Yeah. It is a personal, intimate, um, what can I say, uh, just love. This incredible love. Now, for people listening who have been moved by this, they're thinking, gosh, I'm not on any kind of a journey with Christ. I go to church once a week. I pray here and there. Occasionally, I read the Bible, but I don't have this kind of intimacy that I'm hearing about. But boy, I'd really like it. Does it first start with the hunger and desire for greater intimacy with Christ, and then the Lord will fill that hunger and reveal himself in a similar manner that he did to you? That's a great question, and, it's, uh, and in my observation of others and in my own life, it comes in so many different ways. Remember, this is, this is a call to the heart, so the heart has to respond. And everyone is in search of something that's missing. That's what longing is about. There's the absence of something. And so they've, they've, if they've lived long enough, they've been in searching on a quest for this fulfillment to be made whole. And I think what's happening is that God, in a sense, used to feed us through the typical avenues of the church services, the, the preaching, the gifts, the, you know, the ministry, and all these things. And all of a sudden, people are finding that it's no longer fulfilling. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they go to the services. They enjoy them, but then they walk away still hungry. Right. They read the Bible and walk away still hungry. So the hunger, and Jesus says, look, if you're hungry, I will give you bread where you will not hunger. If you're thirsty, drink the water that I give you and you will never thirst again. So the call becomes intimate and personal. The call is to him, not to others. What I talk about the external versus the internal. We have found God in all the external way, the five senses, you know, through seeking him as though mm -hmm. he's separate. Mm -hmm. He's somewhere out here. We need to praise and worship God to bring down the presence of God to experience him. All of our external visitations of God with the feelings and the emotions is external. Oh, that's hard work. What I realize is the call, when I say inward journey, is the kingdom of God is within us. Heaven is in us. We're seated with Christ at the right hand of the Father. Now, present tense. How can I be with Christ now at the same time living here on earth? So there is this inward spiritual world, which is the kingdom of God. So the call is to how do I dwell or abide with Christ? Jesus says, you must abide in me, see, and I in him, and you will bear fruit. So that's what I'm saying. There is this this acknowledgement of, okay, I'm going to open myself to God's calling, which is the intimate coming away, and it's an inward experience. Now, can I leap on that? Yeah. I, I referred earlier to the dwell in the house of the Lord forever, and you talked about hunger that doesn't satisfy. It's as if your whole marriage is about the kitchen, but a marriage is about the bedroom as well. And we're talking about an intimacy so it's as if we we are married and we think, well, my whole duty is to, well, to be fed and, and to feed, to provide for this family of mine. But you have to recognize that a marriage is built in the entire house. And, and we don't talk about intimacy. And I want to say it's not just hunger. It's not just thirst. It's about arousal and arousal of love. 
And this is where two months ago I would have never spoken this way. But now I'm looking and recognizing that it's about discovering Jesus, my lover. And suddenly these songs that others were singing that I felt uncomfortable with, like You Are My Passion, Love of My Life, Friend and Companion, My Lover, Let Me Draw You Close to You, Gather Me in Your Arms. It's an intimacy that is suddenly this is where my journey is. It's I cannot have just that dutiful wife kind of attitude. I've got to feed my family, make sure the kids get to school, yada, yada, yada. It is about celebrating such an intimacy that I'm going to use a very awkward term that we regularly have an orgasm in our love. And what happens from that? More children are produced. Again, the lovemaking of a husband and wife being a physical illustration of our spiritual relationship and lovemaking with the Lord. That's the metaphor. Communion is intercourse, the greatest sense of between a man and woman. This is really, so when I, practicality, it's, a, it's prayer. Prayer is the most intimate, say at this point, communion with the Father. And this is a, another aspect. It's not a discourse prayer. It's not about coming to the Lord and telling him all the things that you want and need in prayer for others. It's about abiding. Coming before the Father, say, to behold him. It's not about what you need. It's about who he is. Bringing your heart to him, your brokenness, your woundedness, say, your longing, and say, Father, this was made for you. You were made for me, and I am here because I want to know you. I want to experience you. And so the prayer becomes a whole different attitude, a whole different way of coming before the Lord. That's where it begins. And then God will bring circumstances in your life to make it a much more real experience. You know, and He'll begin to speak to you. We need to learn to listen more than talk more. So solitude and silence is critical in this journey. There's a place where I can go when I feel so lonely. There's a place so very near with love so true. It's close to the heart of Jesus. 
Dawn Fernandez with Livewire, There's a Place. And obviously, if you want to develop the kind of intimacy with the Lord that we've been talking about on the show today, you've got to set aside some time to be quiet. Like the scripture says, be still and know that I am God. You know, there's so much in the Bible about meditation and solitude with Jesus. And unless you set that time aside, there's really no way that you can experience the depth of relationship with Jesus that we're talking about. Isn't that right, Paul? To give you an example, now this is this is my journey, and it had to be extreme, but I was such a driven man, always busy with the things that I needed to do. <laughs> my days were filled up seven days a week until I you know, was up in the morning until I went to bed. My prayers were just prayers of discourse, reading the Bible and so on. There had to come a point in my life where I literally need to leave. I, I left it all. I find myself in the mountains, <laughs> in a one-room cabin. I left my position as a director of a clinic. I had been separated from my wife, my family. I'm alone for the first time in my life with no responsibilities, obligations. There is no TV, no radio, no distractions alone. First of all, it's a frightening thought hmm. to be alone with yourself in solitude. I needed that. It took me at least a month to slow down, but to have the freedom to even think. And I was there out of brokenness, but out of my brokenness, I just spent time with the Father. And it was, and I was there for three years, say, in this place of solitude. It's not like I was there constantly. I was, you know, with family and friends and I had some work I was doing. But I had a place to go with no distractions. It was in that place that I came into the deep. It was the place of union with the Father where I began to hear the still small voice. I had to be quiet enough, and this is intentional, you have to be quiet enough to begin to hear the voice of the Father. Now, the voice of the Father is different than the voice of of gifts, of ministry, of a sense of knowing. God speaks, yes, he speaks to us and we can hear him on that level, but it's all about the external things. The voice of the Father is about intimacy. It's still small voice, the intimacy between you and him. And all he did for me was speak of his love for me. Not about what I need to do, not about, you know, all that I, I need to do this, this, and this for him, and I need to speak to this person. No, all that had stopped. It was about just him and I and his un, unending devotional love for me. Not about I had to earn it. I had to be good enough. I wasn't any of that. In fact, I was in deep shame and brokenness, and he loved me for who I was. And out of that love came healing came a place of peace and rest. Jesus talks about a rest that only comes in the relationship. It doesn't come in an external way. The peace that I give you is a peace the world cannot give. And this is what we long for. So there was the end of my questioning, the end of my search. It's, it's coming home, I call it. I came to a place of coming home and it was done. That's what that was like. I finally came home. And now I have this internal peace and rest that is always present. And I have the voice of the Father and His presence with me all the time. Inwardly. I dwell inwardly in this place. It's home for me. Heaven in me. The kingdom of God in me is the house, the home that I dwell with Him. Mm -hmm. Ever present. And of course, it's also a relationship one has to maintain, having had that experience of intimate communion with Jesus, you've got to keep spending time with him and you've got to keep laboring to enter into that rest because, of course, the devil will do everything he can to try to sever that relationship. Right, because because really, without that relationship, you cannot bear fruit. Okay? The interesting thing is this is not something I have to do. It's something that I love to do. I don't want to be away from the Father. Because he's everything to me. 
He is my food. He is my drink. He is my all in all. Uh, and He will never leave me. Nobody can separate me from the love of the Father. It's set. It's in concrete. It's like a seal. It talks about place me as a seal over my heart. Uh, the seal is like a safe. My room is in a safe that nobody can penetrate. The enemy doesn't dwell there, cannot dwell there. Nobody dwells there but me and the Father. It is absolutely secure. There's comfort. There's assurance. There's everything. Okay. It is heaven. In heaven, there is no evil. There is no sin. There is no suffering. I can have that now. I don't have to wait until I die to go there. This is the beauty of it. Heaven dwells in me. So all that heaven is, I now experience present tense. Jesus said, here's the prayer. What's the prayer he taught his disciples? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The prayer is for the kingdom to come, to dwell there, to know this. Say, To me, that was being born again. I was birthed into heaven, the kingdom of God. When this happened to me, it was literally like my world changed instantly. Everything changed. The way I thought about myself, the Father, the church, everything changed. I went, oh my God, this is what you were talking about with Nicodemus. And I said, but Lord, what was my experience like when I first came to know you? It was a radical change in me. We talk about being born again. And he said to me, ah, oh, you were conceived in the Spirit. In all these years, you've been in the womb of God, maturing. But now you were birthed into the kingdom. Do you understand? So now I'm an infant in this new place, growing with the Father, the Father in me, and I'm in the Father. And I'm thinking, wow, I can't wait until I can crawl or walk. Hmm. What about running like Jesus ran? Mm -hmm. In other words, all that Jesus did and had, I now have. We can have. This is it. And and what you're saying, too, is it's more than doing what Jesus did. It's being who Jesus yes. is. Jesus said, I can do nothing apart from my Father. But with the Father, all things can be done. Jesus only said and did what he saw his Father saying and doing. That's how we are to live. Well, you can't do that unless you're in intimate communion with him. So when you talk about spending time, it's more than spending time. It is always being with him. So prayer is a prayer where it doesn't stop. We talk about unceasing prayer. So it's not a prayer of the mind. It's a prayer of communion. You understand? I don't have to be mentally thinking, I am. I am always present with the Father, and I hear him whenever time. And so it's like a shift a position. I'm in the kingdom and the kingdom is in me. Um, I'm learning to walk from moment to moment, present tense, with the Father. I have a lot to learn. I, I, I have a lot to learn. But I tell you what, it's just different. Everything's different. So in one sense, in the beginning, yes, there's a sense of exercising one's will to pursue the Lord in solitude and silence, as a lover would pursue a lover. But there is another place where there's consummation, there is union, and then prayer becomes totally different. I don't know, Simon, if you can understand what I'm kind of referring to. Ultimate love.
Christ, the one I would die for, the one who I cry for above every other. And I'll give anything to be intimate with you. You are my ultimate. I don't fear to lose everything near to me, all that's dear to me. If I still have you, I don't mind if the whole world turns on me. If there burns in me the fire of your truth, I don't care if the night is cold. When there's you to hold on to, 'cause you are my passion, my one obsession, dearest possession, ultimate lover. You are my life force, the one I would die for, the one who I cry for above every other. And I'll give anything to be intimate with you. You are my ultimate. Sometimes it's only the loneliness when there's no one else that makes me realize in the end you're the only one who can heal my soul, who can make me whole tonight. Possession, ultimate lover. You are my life force, the one I would die for, the one who I cry for above every other. And I'll give anything to be intimate with you. You are my ultimate. The journey for me right now. It's not about being a good Christian, not about being a an anointed Christian. The journey for me is to be both friend and lover and wife of God. I know that there are people out there hearing us. And I know that God is speaking to your heart, and so if you would be open to hear, respond from your heart. There is a longing that is being awakened. Respond to that, because that's the beginning. Respond to your heart with a yes. That's all the Father is looking for. Yes, I want to know you. Come to me as a lover. I don't really know how. But my heart is speaking to me. So start there. Take the time to get away. To spend time with your heart, less with your mind, but with your heart before the Lord, and invite Him to show you how to be caught up in the sacred romance. He is more eager than you are to know this. His intentions are purposeful. From the beginning of creation, He purposed Himself. To have a lover, and you are that lover, whether you realize it or not. And then, to find people who are on the same journey, who have the same desire, can be also very supportive and encouraging, because God is bringing people together this journey. And、uh, I think that's I, if I had to kind of summarize, just respond to your heart. Yes, you know, and and God will will do the rest. Well, thanks so much to Paul Brethren and David Griffith for being with us on today's show. Hope you enjoyed the interview as much as I did. And we're out of time, so bye for now. And I'll be back soon with another edition of Nightlight. Bye bye.